All right, everybody, welcome to Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. I'm Clayton. And I'm your roommate's novel veteran. And I'm the virgin. <laughs> Although I'm not a virgin after this book. I feel completely like my cherry has been demolished. <laughs> Guys, so this week we read Minaj by Emma Hawley. We're just jumping right into it because truly there's nothing else we could discuss. Um, I do want to set the scene a little bit, guys, and maybe talk about the importance of choosing the right book at the right time. Because I, when we chose this book last week, I forgot that I was going on a four-day family vacation with my mother to visit other family members in New Hampshire, and that I would have to read this book with my mother in the room, because obviously we're sharing a room, which is two of us, and I opened this book. I think I read 1% and I was like, I will be finishing this book on Monday night when we return because there is zero chance of me reading this this time. So just as a confession, I read most of the book. I have not gotten to the last like 15%, but I wanted to be upfront with you guys because this book was a whole lot. Now I need to apologize (laughs) because we went through this whole system of picking this book out loud in public on our last mini-sode. And I feel like, you know, I feel like I pushed for this one. And you had another option that was, it said in the description that it was a erotic romance. This was erotica. And I should have vetted that better. I should have read a beginning part because... This thing jumps right in. Right. So if I would have read a sample on Amazon, I would have said, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> because we're not here to kink shame. We're not here to shame people who who read erotica. I was not prepared for the level that this book went to. The and, level of heat. Well, I mean, heat, I don't know if that's the term. Like, you know, it's like someone said this was steamy and it's like, it's like the kind of steam that comes off a sewer grate. <laughs> it was like profane to me. And I think I'm just, I don't know why this uh, affected me so much, but let's first say what this book is about. No, we have to judge a cover. We have to judge. A Look, okay, at, so you are, he's, he's all over the place. Here's the, the also the caveat that I want to do, because we have had calls previously to read erotica. And the reason we always said no was, I do think there's a, there is a difference between erotica and romance. And obviously there's like romance erotica or like there are some that are kind of in that gray area that I think we probably would entertain reading. But in general, we're here for like the story and the characters and the tropes. And when you have a book that is mostly erotica, that is mostly sex scenes, you kind of lose all those things that we talk about. Does that mean erotica is bad? No. No. Does that mean like you could enjoy erotica? It's just something different. It isn't what we normally do. So that's also why us and, you know, accidentally reading erotica (laughs) was a little bit tough. And then us talking about it, it's probably going to sound a little bit different than we normally do because also... I don't know, maybe we're bad romance fans in that we don't know how to talk about erotica in a, in a certain way, but 
um, you know, kind of with all things, like if this is something, if this is a book you enjoyed, I know somebody in the troop was the one to recommend it. This is nothing against anybody or that anyone has bad opinions or bad taste, but this is sort of obviously with everything we say, it is only our opinion, but also in particular, this wasn't necessarily the genre for us. Well, here's the thing I will say. So when I put out the call yeah. for menages, I did not specify romance i didn't specify could have it be a romance not erotica and the 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 person who recommended this after we picked it on instagram was aghast <laughs> and said oh i recommended that and i didn't know you guys were gonna pick it so godspeed and i think i think that was the thing so obviously they didn't realize that was why they were why, why they were um rec- recommending it and i i do think that that is by no means a reflection on them because if I think if we would have said it has to have like really strong romantic elements, they would not have recommended Minaj. No. And I think a lot of times what happens in Facebook groups, when somebody puts out a call for something, you're just like, Oh, here's any book I can think of that has that trope. It was literally called Minaj. So why (laughs) wouldn't this person say, Oh, there's a book called Minaj that I remember reading and it being having a lot of sex in it. Yeah. This should be this should be a good recommendation. This was me not vetting it. I think I don't know how about you, but I'm I'm just I felt like such a prude reading this book. I feel like you felt like more of a prude than I did. I, I'm sure I'm sure, but I and we'll get into it. And that's the thing. Well, um, this is a very long preamble, but I th- there is a level of I want to tackle this in an intelligent manner and not be one of those podcasts that gets uncomfortable with the sexuality and goofs on it. Right. That that's that was my initial reaction is how goofy is this? This makes me uncomfortable. I was I was falling back on ha 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 because that's what I do when I'm uncomfortable. And I was noticing that. So I really tried to think about this book analytically afterwards, after traumatically consuming it to figure out what what it all means and why I had that reaction and what these kind of books actually symbolize. So with all that being said, do we want to look at these covers? Yes. So we have three covers here. The one in the middle, which means nothing to our listeners, is the one I had on the Kindle. The Kindle paperback, the, 2000, the 2010 release. Oh, that's so funny because I had the 2014 on my Kindle. So the 2010 was color. It was like a... A man with a smooth chest looking down at a woman lovingly. That does not represent what this book is. It's all like red and a yeah. little sexy. And that's, I think, why uh, why one of the reasons I chose it too, because I thought, this looks lovely. They look like they love each other. There's like some longing here. There's some seduction here. Now, the one that you had, black and white, just the chest of a man with fingernails raking down it. And he looks like a handsome dude. Here's the thing about that, the 2014 Kindle version, which is the one that I posted on the, like the upcoming, uh, like for the upcoming uh, book. Yeah. But he's black, which is obviously there's there's nothing wrong with him being black other than neither of the characters, neither Sean nor Joe are black in the book. That's true. So it also feels like if you wanted 
to read a book with a black hero. I don't love that idea. And also there is like this like kind of gross version, uh, like over sexualization of black men um, that obviously I'm uncomfortable with. And I think I, I don't love that. And I would wonder what the thought process was with changing his race the cover and, and then the first cover is the original paperback from 1998 it looks like there's a betty page type woman who probably has a sailor tattoo of some sort like an anchor or something yeah she looks a little angry because she's late to swing class yes is late to yes <laughs> so that is fine i mean i don't know what else to say about these covers none of them i mean that one is probably the closest I I no actually because Kate has like curly hair and has stuff. curly blonde hair. Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. So anyway. <laughs> anyway, it's all right. So Clayton, what was this book about? Um. So Kate lives in Philadelphia, but speaks like she's from England. This was published through the UK, and I, I don't know if you noticed, but there's several times where she uses. I'll call them out. I have a list of times she uses. European or English type terms where she would not in Philadelphia, where this is supposed to be based. She doesn't say yins at all. Well, yins is Pittsburgh. Okay. I tried. I swung. Yeah, I don't know anything it's about great. Pennsylvania. She would have said water, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> we, we've, we've all seen the, the mayor of East town. Yeah. We all have seen that. It's very hot right now to talk about Wawa. <laughs> so this is Kate, the heroine who was, her husband left her for a teenager. That part too. <laughs> okay, well, like let the, me get through this I'm real sorry. fast. Let me get through this really fast. There's so much about this book that is so cringy that has nothing to do with this. the amount of sex in it. <laughs> That's the thing. And I thought it was, you know how people say, my husband left me for a teenager in the sense of he's in his 50s and he's with a 26-year-old right. or a 31-year-old. Actual teenager. So then she has two boarders who live with her, Sean and Joe. And she thinks they're both gay because they're with each other. They have sex with each other. But then she can tell Joe is attracted to her because he has, always has a giant rod. Everybody always has a giant erection in this whole – everybody's wet. There's erections everywhere. The conversations – that are supposed to be heartfelt end in, in 20 page long sex scenes that are kinky, too kinky for me to handle role play role playing, which I'm okay with. I'm, I'm okay with all these things, but just, it was so, it just bombarded me in a way that I wasn't prepared for. So anyway, <laughs> they start a three way sex situation. A lot of other people are brought into it in various levels, which I didn't think was going to happen. I had no clue that was going to happen. Yada, yada, yada. Kate ends up marrying Joe because they love each other, apparently. And then Sean is still kind of in their life. And it's alluded to the end that, oh, we might actually still fuck Sean once in a while. So that is the book. Okay. So obviously, Aaron, you didn't like it. No, this is wild. And I had a very hard time with it. Like, like in a, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic about it. I, I was like kind of disturbed by this book, 
And it had nothing to do with the fact that there was homosexuality or crossing swords or three ways or anything like that. But it felt almost nihilistic. It felt like human emotion was foreign to these people. And it felt like they were purely driven by sexual appetites, like they almost need to be medically looked at. And now I understand this was from the the late 90s. And the proliferation of pornography was not what it is now. So the availability of pornographic material, you still it was still available, but it's not at the touch of a button. It's not everywhere. It's not mainstreamed. And I can see why this might be something, especially, and this is what I think about, because I'm, I'm a guy, and there's so much sexual content aimed at me, like specifically for me. Most romances, erotic fiction, are aimed for women. And so there is something to be said, and I, I, you can comment on this if you want. I hope you do, because it's a podcast, so I hope you comment on this. And not be like, I pass, no comment. I mean, it would be great if I was just like a silent partner where like just everything's so like, yeah, I'm just shaking yeah. my head. And I'm like here grasping for like, please make my thoughts valid. That there is something about a female protagonist that is as sexual as Kate is, that in a way is, I don't want to say liberating, but in a way is so against the stream of what most women are supposed to be, or at least were at the time and in some people's minds what they're supposed to be, that there is something that if if you were a woman and read this, you could feel like, oh, it's cool that this woman gets to just feel sexual, have sexual escapades, and there's no taboos holding her back. I could understand that being something that would make somebody feel good while they're reading it to themselves and thinking, oh, wow, I, you know, I wish there was a world where I could be half as sexual as this person is. I don't know. Is there any thing to that? Yeah. Well, yeah. You brought up a few different things, but I think, firstly, it's erotica, and I'm not well versed in erotica, but erotica is serving a different need from romance and they're very s- similar and close and like I, and they can definitely like cross over into each other's genres and things like that but the need for there to be um it tethered to reality in the sort of like these people have abnormally high sex drives and it's like well yeah they kind of need to have abnormally high sex drives because otherwise if it's just people who are like, oh, I'm kind of too tired for sex. Oh, we, we did just eat a lot of chocolate for me to then be having anal sex is not particularly interesting. And it's not the fantasy. And as much as all romance is fantasy, erotica is even a little bit more. And so that part doesn't disturb me. And I did think that it was refreshing that Kate did not have to be like the book starts with her basically coming home. Can't wait to like read a naughty book and masturbate 
great, relatable. And then she comes home and finds her roommates fucking. It's weird that she calls them her boarders. Because is that like a British thing? Because I was like, would I use, I think I would say like tenants or yes, roommates. That's one of them. That was one of them. Boarders yeah. is one of them. Um, also referred to them as lodgers too, yeah. which is not American. No, that sounds very strange. And, and it, they were buggering. Which is not American. No, I've never heard an American say bugger. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, so there's that aspect of it. Like, there's a lot of sex in this book. But also, if I was buying this book as erotica, you know, it's about expectation. So I would expect there to be sex. And I've definitely bought books thinking they were erotica. And there's like, the first hundred pages is just set up. And it's kind of like, well, okay, well, this isn't really what I'm looking for in this moment. Um. So, yeah, so the idea that Kate is doesn't have to be is never shocked by anything. She never has to be like taught anything that she's so fully in control. And I did think it was interesting. So it's it's two guys. It's Sean, who's just the more experienced sexually, who's like a little bit older. He's like more dominant than Joe. He seems to be like like on the Kinsey scale, like more towards gay than Joe is. Yes. And then Joe's like a little bit younger and he's he's probably more in like a like a more traditional like bi kind of guy, like pretty much in the middle. Um, but that she, there was a lot of, there was a lot of role play and there was a lot of like Dom sub stuff. And it was interesting that that would switch halfway through scenes and things like that. And I felt like that was always really interesting because a lot of times it's like the innocent virgin being shown this world, which is also fine. (laughs) Uh, guys everything's fine yes but it is a little it can get a little bit stale so the idea that this woman would just walk in on two men having sex while holding her nighty but not really her nighty but what they're pretending is her nighty and her just being like fuck it i'm in deal me in player and then just like kneel down and start blowing one of them like there is something refreshing and new about that and there is her owning her sexuality at a level that like you know i was impossibly young in the 90s but i don't think was something that was as readily available to women so I was not I was not as disturbed by this book as you were yeah and and disturbed I guess I don't want to say I mean you know what it is is that the reason we started this podcast and one of the reasons why you know we continue to do this podcast is because you know I want love in my life right and that the interactions between characters when they're trying to create a bond that is sexual but beyond sexual. That frustrating thing about this and why I use the term nihilistic was because when there was moments where they had these heartfelt conversations that I wanted it just to be a kiss or a embrace. Or, and I know I had the wrong book. I'm wrong. This book is not wrong. I am wrong. My expectations were wrong for this. And I couldn't overcome that because it became a barrage of kinks and images and role-playing that that felt pummeling to me because I was trying to get to the shore of what I know of romance, which is tender moment followed by passionate love or maybe not even maybe just a kiss or a touch or a glance this is not a glance book this is a (laughs) leer book 
This is a, I'm leering at you and I'm immediately wet and now I'm, I'm dripping, you know, fluids on you. That's what this book is. And there's a place for that. But this was not what I wanted or needed at the moment. Yes. And I think that's my problem is that the expectations, I never could overcome what I expected this book to be, which is at some point, cut it with the sex. And that's not what this is. It's supposed to be a barrage of sex. And even when there were things like Joe's becomes a star and he's on this show and all this. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm going to try and care about this guy being on this this show. But I just couldn't because I couldn't care about Joe. I couldn't care about Sean. And I couldn't care about Kate. And so it was very hard for me to find a foothold into this world that I really wanted to live in it. And and I thought, oh, she's okay. They had this huge extended sex scene. I was like, great. Okay. And then she's at the bookstore. I was like an oasis Mm -hmm. there's gonna be stuff about the bookstore and it was just like okay one of them comes in and fucks her in the bookstore like sean comes in and fucks her in the bookstore and i was like okay like that's fine but i wanted more about the business and i usually don't want anything about the business in these things but i found myself looking for a human connection to them and it just it was erotica it was pornography that's what this is and i didn't expect it Mm -hmm. i mean that was my ultimate the ultimate problem I had, and it's me, it's not this book. So I, I do feel like we're, I don't want to say we, but I'm giving this book a disservice I'm, because I could never get over those expectations and my want for some sort of humanity in this. Yes. I think all that being said, there was so much about this book that was so, you know, and I think the word problematic is is overused so maybe outdated and you know when certain Disney movies go into the vault permanently and it's like yeah it should go into the vault forever I think there are aspects of this book that are like bizarre mm-hmm. yeah her there husband a- leaving her for a, a, a literal child and somehow it being the child's fault also him leaving her for her best friend's 17-year-old daughter. That's, and they still work together. They still work together, and also her best friend was also her sister-in-law. Yes. I was trying to follow that as well. And then she becomes a high-priced dominatrix. Uh-huh. After Kate fires her. No, before Kate fires her. Well, she, Kate she, fires her because she's doing a scene over Kate's desk, and then the semen just coats the room, and oh, you she, can't work in those conditions. Okay, so... Okay, there, there was, speaking of that, so she, okay, so Kate comes in and she's, thinks that, what, what's, what's the woman's name? Marianne. Marianne. She's looking for signs of coitus, how she puts it. Like she's walking in the back room and seeing if there was sex that happened. And the signs she looks for are semen smears and lipstick on the wall. If I come into uh, if I came into a bedroom and was like I wonder if someone had sex here. I would look, oh the sheets are ruffled. Oh, look, there's clothing here. There's oh, maybe a pair of underwear here. I am not immediately looking for semen smears and lipstick on the wall. Because that means that someone just put someone's face up against that wall and said, "Go, go to smear it up." You know, motorboat these this these bricks. This wainscoting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> motorboat this wainscoting. 
I, I that that was just so nuts to me. Like it did feel like a different planet that they all lived on. Oh yeah, and they it felt like a scary, sad planet that I don't want to exist in. Yeah, they live in a Philadelphia that we don't know. <laughs> exactly. I've never been, so who could say? I have. I have, and it's. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I just don't. It's. And then there was the thing with, you know, she calls. The, the like a candy store a sweet shop that is not american we don't call them sweet shops she when they're talking about school some of them go to school still she mentions second year we don't say second year oh yeah because it's kind of weird that two people in philadelphia or a few people in philadelphia that don't aren't from england and they don't say they're from england say second year or they say they're topped I think that it is clear that Emma Holly wrote this book and then sent it to her publisher and her publisher said, thanks, and then sent it to be printed. Yeah. I can't imagine at any point that somebody looked back through this book because there were just so many just errors that like this book being printed in 1998, how there could still be errors in the amount of re-releases there were. Yeah. And also just like things that didn't make sense. With them like saying I love you and then saying I could never say I couldn't say that I loved him, but it's like, but you were but you did so mm-hmm. early. And those sort of things that were just like inconsistent, which is like, listen, for most people reading erotica, they're going straight to the sex scenes and they're skimming everything else. We are the weirdos that are reading the in between. Yeah. We're watching true. the porno to see what happens with the pizza man. Is he gonna be able to deliver all his pizzas? And we're missing the parts where He's having sex with all the people. You know what's funny, though? Like, I'm just going to be honest here. Is that when I watch porno, I like the setup. (laughs) I like the setup more than I like the act. I like the psychology of it more than I like the actual follow through. That's that's great. But but that's like honestly true. If Mm -hmm. if if you just show me a scene of meat slapping, that does nothing for me. Yeah. Why is that happening? How do they know each other? What does this mean for them psychologically? Like, right. honestly, those are elements that I, I do need. And I think that's the problem is that those elements weren't there for me. And I think it's because, you know, I, I picked a book that was more erotica than romance. And, you know, you, you had a book, like I said, there was one that could have been that. Also, 288 pages. I don't know what I was thinking. That's the thing, too. Erotica should not be more than 200 pages. Yeah. What are you, what's happening now? Like, yeah, it was so incredibly long. Yeah. For what it was, which is was a bunch of sex scenes strung together by some frankly offensive plot at times. The other thing is Lulu who shows up at one stage and is I'm going to hope a drag queen for the way that they're described. Yes. There's a lot of like offensive terms and things, which is like, listen, this was 1998. Yes. RuPaul's supermodel came out, I think around that time. Like the idea of like being a transvestite was, was what people were called. Yeah. So it's not necessarily that I think this author was out of touch for the time, but I think it's interesting to read this where we are now looking back because, you know, we were both born in the 80s. We have definitely seen the evolution of 
you know, the way that transgender people are treated in society, the way that gay people are treated, treated in society, all mm-hmm. obviously for the better. Yeah. But it's, it was like, it, it made it so immediately dated and it was such a bit of a shock for the way that Lewis or Lulu was treated or talked about. Yeah. In a way that I found very odd. Well, I wanted this to be charmingly dated. And it was not charmingly dated. I mean, there were several. So, I mean, I made a list of some dated things about this book. So I'll list them now. You have so many lists for this. You're like English and Americanisms dated. Well, they mentioned there's a VCR with Science of the Lambs there. Oh, I like that. But but here's the thing. There's plenty of people who still have AHS players. And that... Science of Lambs is a great movie. Wait, but at is the this time, a, this is a list of charming or offensively dated? No, things? this is charmingly dated. Oh, okay. Charmingly okay, dated. I was like, what's the matter with that? That's great. No. So, also, Stonewash Jeans, but... They're back. They're back. So that's the thing. Is like, a lot of these things are back. Uh, dated, Joe or Sean having a jockstrap. And nobody wears a jockstrap anymore. She smells his jockstrap. This is like page three. She's smelling his wet jockstrap. Okay, so jockstraps, just educate me. Yes. I thought jockstraps were just for like holding a cup when you played a sport. Yes. Would you just put on a jockstrap as opposed to underpants? No, you don't necessarily always wear a cup with a jockstrap. You, but like a jockstrap is to hold your boys tight so that they are like not flopping around when you're doing sports. Now oh. there's like better things to use now. I don't... I would I would assume major league players don't wear cups anymore. I don't know. That might be a thing they still do. I used to have a jock strap when I was a kid. I had a cup. I never wore the cup. And I thought the cup was like in case the ball like hit the you. Cup in the cup was dick. in case the ball hit you. Yes. Okay. But but most of the time it's like you don't need I I I played soccer, so I didn't necessarily need a cup. Baseball players maybe they wear a cup. I don't know. Okay, but so like if you're just going about your daily life. No, I, you would not wear a jock. I would I would not be wearing a jock strap now just because I I wouldn't wear a jock strap just like to the office. Right. Okay. Okay. Cuz that's the thing. Cuz ostensibly we don't know what they did that day, but we can imagine they were just having a normal day and not <laughs> playing major league sports. Well, I think he might have he, he like they mentioned like they cr- built a gym in her where they're renting. No, she owns. No, they're renting, though. Oh. They're renting the place with her. I mean, she owns it, but they're boarders. They're her, uh, what was, what was the term? Lodgers. And they build this, like, ornate gym, like, with old wood and stuff. That which was... it doesn't work for a gym. Like, why would your gym have, like, wood around it? I don't know, like a Victorian-style gym? I have no idea. But I assumed when that was getting built that this was after they had done like this really elaborate BDSM and Mm -hmm. it was Lulu and Amy were there and she had to go to one location and then walk naked to another location. Yes. That ended up just being her house Mm -hmm. and she was strapped to something. Great. I had assumed that he was calling it a gym because of all the workers there and it was actually going to be like a sex dungeon. So then when it was literally just a gym, I was like, seems like a missed opportunity. Yes. Oh, other thing that's dated is that she talks about her ass and how nice her ass is and how hard her ass is, Kate does. 
And she got it that way from fitness walking. She's a fitness walker. <laughs> My mom used to do do like walk. Like that was her thing. She would like walk. That was her exercise. But is it that walk that they do in like the Olympics where like where they can't raise their feet off the ground? Well, you can't run, but you have to like walk as fast as possible. I I don't know. I imagining Kate doing that is hilarious to me. <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, there was some cute things about it. Oh, oh, the Robert Cray band. She talks about this Robert Cray CD. Oh, con- is that real or is that that made is up? that is real? And that album, I listened to it. I was I listened to the album while I was reading this book, <laughs> and it's just like cheesy '80s blues. You know how like blues was? I don't know if you because you were probably way young, but there was like a kind of blues that got big in the '80s that was blues but 80s fied so it was like produced very 80s so it sounded like really who is slick like a popular person who did this uh, stevie ray vaughn was like a huge one uh, god i wish i could think of um s- somebody else um there was a guy oh who was in the richard marks no richard marks wasn't blues oh uh, god i wish i could think of a better robert cray did have like a a, a big hit though what was it so it was called. God, what was it called? You're putting me on the spot here. Yeah, I'm. I'm totally blanking on like these blues. But oh, you know, Bonnie Raitt had a um, had, had a uh, resurgence, and she was kind of she was a blues originally, and then she had this kind of '80s uh, yeah. blues, which I love. Those late I love Bonnie Raitt. Late Bonnie Raitt's '80s, amazing. early '90s Bonnie Raitt albums. Uh-huh. Listen. I can't make you love me. It's one of the greatest songs ever written. One hundo. Something to talk about. Great. Angel from Montgomery. Even Have a, a heart. Cover. Yeah. All these great, great. So like, she's kind of like the best case version. And Robert Cray's good. Like he's a guy who's like really talented. But it's just a smoothed out kind of blues. Everything was so smoothed out. And like Steve Winwood was big at the time, and he had that kind of like it wasn't necessarily blues, but it was that yuppie R and B sort of. Anyway, so I listened to the album. It's not bad, okay. but it's just very funny to think about them having sex to it. <laughs> so anyway, that was that was that was cute. But yeah, so man, I am I kind of feel like I wonder how I wonder how many of our listeners like read this book cuz there's got to be listeners who read the books that we say we're going to do. And I wonder how many started it and stopped it or kind of read a sample and said, I'm just going to sit this one out. I really wonder, because I didn't want to, I feel like I alienated our audience with this book in a way, like really threw them into a deep end that I don't know if they were prepared for, because I wasn't prepared. Maybe I'm more of a wilting flower than they are. Because some some of the people who read this uh, or or knew we were reading this said, oh, this is really good. I wonder what you're going to think about it and things like that. But I wonder what other, I mean, I think, Send us some feedback because we'll talk about it on our next mini-sode because I'm very curious about this. And I'm also, I don't want to make it seem like I think there's no place for erotica and I'm so scandalized about by this. I'm just talking personally how I felt about this. Well, also, it's perfectly valid to not be into erotica. There's a lot of people who aren't into erotica. I don't think that means anything for erotica or for the people who aren't into it. It's like different genres are for different people. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, that you didn't connect to this and you didn't like it and you don't like sort of the the tropes or the tenets of erotica are like, it's fine. Then just don't read erotica. Well, so having said that, wh- wh- here's the big question. Would you fuck them? <laughs> You're already done with the discussion? I, I mean, what else? Can- I mean, we... We're at like 45 minutes. I don't know what else we can talk about here. Is there anything else you want to say? Well, let me, um, so now do you know the difference between MMF and MFM? What? So there's the two different kinds of menages that are two men and a woman. So one is MMF and okay. then the other kind is MFM. So... MMF means that the men have sex with each other too, along with the woman. So that's sword crossing. Mm -hmm. And then MFM is the males are only having sex with the female. Okay. Yeah. Good job. Great. Um, I mean, do we want it? Okay. So the amount of long emotional conversations they have about daily life while fully having sex with each other, like someone's blowing someone, and he's also like, "Oh, I heard from my uncle Joe." Yeah, like that, if anyone that was... brought up my uncle during sex, that ends everything. That's the grossest thing you could do. Bring up fucking family. What? She's having a conversation, a full-on conversation, while getting pounded from behind, and while blowing somebody else. And yeah. it's such a mundane conversation that I was like, "Am I reading this wrong? This is psychotic." Yeah. Um. Captain Blood. Oh, yes. <laughs> and Joe's Lucky Eye Patch. Joe's Lucky Eye Patch. Captain Blood is a musical that Joe wrote because he wants to be the next Andrew Lloyd Webber. Try. And then he writes a vampire pirate musical that is apparently a very dry humor called Captain Blood that he puts on at school. And I would see Captain Blood. Would you buy a ticket to Captain Blood? If I didn't know. Who was in it? Yes. <laughs> it does sound great. We need more kooky musicals. Yeah. Um, also, Kate mentions, did you notice this? She mentions her lesbian aunt left her this apartment, this in, in Philly. And she mentioned that sometimes the ghost of her lesbian aunt shows up. And I said, show her. L- please, can we have this lesbian aunt show up? Some Something. Just something. Yeah. Because that would have been great. I would have loved this book if all of a sudden there's a lesbian aunt ghost that shows up. Um, The way that every single woman is a villain other than Kate mm-hmm. is very frustrating and very 90s. Yeah. Like it wasn't in unusual for books in like the 90s and before to have like a secondary romance. And so it's weird. Like you... Kate walks into work one day. He's like, hey, Marianne, how's tricks? And she says, oh, I fucked our um, stock boy last night on a bike. And he's barely, and she's like, he's he's barely a teenager. Yeah. The, uh, the age gap, every relationship is an age gap romance. Because she's 34 and Joe is 20. They're both like 22. Yeah. 21, 22. I mean, that's, okay, it's fine. I mean, the men are legal. It's fine. It's it's I feel like there are like gaps that it's like, yes, legally, everything is fine. But emotionally, where are we? Yeah. 
We're in different places. Um, and then the two best euphemisms for dicks in this book are Scarlet Monster and Swizzle Stick. Swizzle Stick. I would never refer to my penis as a swizzle stick because no. a swizzle stick is very small. Well, very thin. It's very thin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it. I don't know if I have anything else to say. Obviously, we want to hear from our listeners if they have more to say. I mean, so would you fuck them? Yes. I mean, after all of that, you'd have to. I I don't know if I could. You couldn't. There's no way. I don't know if I could. You know what? Actually, I wouldn't. It's too much. It's too much. It's just too much. Yeah. And that's what I think also, and it's like this, obviously, like, no judgment if you are into, like, threesomes or group sex, like, good on you. But, like, it always just seems like too much happening at once. Mm-hmm. And it stresses, the idea of it stresses me out. Um, Should we do a Goodreads list? Let's do it. Favorite O-U-R, M-M-F romance. O-U-R? Favorite spelled F-A-V-O-U-R. Oh, okay, okay. I-T-E. Yeah, so it's English spelling, right? Yeah. So, um, no. No, I've read other Minaj books uh, that I enjoyed more. Um, books with the hottest sex. No. No. I understand how someone could think this is hot because it's so unabashed. Mm-hmm. But I need some bashedness. Well, I think the thing, too, that we, you know, have talked about before, the thing about, like, a sexy romance or really being able to go there with the characters, like, part of it is the emotional journey that they go on so that, and the longing, and then when they do have sex, it's this culmination of this moment, and that's what makes it really sexy, and I think this is also, like, what people think romance novels are, where it's, like, such a thin, gossamer thin plot, and then just a ton of banging. Yeah. Um... Hot MMF? No. Sure. I think if you are looking for an MMF erotica and you pick this up, you won't be disappointed. Okay. Reverse harem and or menage. So it's menage. Reverse harem means that it's a woman with a bunch of different men. Yeah. Got it. Okay. I agree with that. Contemporary. Uh, yes if not if 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 listening to the robert cray band is contemporary for you then bully for you yes um after 50 shades so you're supposed to read this after 50 shades like if you read i i believe it to be if you read 50 shades and liked it this is a good next book for you 50 shades is not this gonzo right no, I mean, honestly, I've never read Fifty Shades of Grey, so I'm not the one to say. I did watch the movie, and it was mind-numbingly dull, mm-hmm. and it was a lot about, like, a contract negotiation. Yeah. This has a lot of BDS. This has, like, a, sol- a solid amount of BDSM and stuff in it, so if you want that, then that's here. I also don't like BDSM, so I think You that really is- don't like BDSM. I don't. I don't. Yeah. It's tough for you. Yeah. Um, My favorite romance authors- somebody's but not mine no best smut books not for me older she younger he books that's true yeah best bookstores in contemporary romance no not at all what was she do like yes it sold books but I, it, there wasn't enough to know about this bookstore and she was going to open another one i guess 
And then people were like smearing lipstick and semen smears on the wall in the back room. No, thank you. I think we also have to talk about this in culture. You, you know, we've both worked retail extensively and something that books and Hollywood can't seem to figure out about retail is proper staffing. Yes. And it drives me. Can't just be one person. Legitimately fucking up the wall. Yeah. So we have the absolute most perfect movie of all time. Uh, you've got mail. Okay. Too many people are working at that bookstore. Mm -hmm. Too many people are working at once. Yeah. Everybody shows up every day to work and we can't have that. Who's having a day off? We need to rotate. Like, what are the margins on this? Somebody should be part-time. No wonder the thing went under. This bookstore, you have two owners and one person working staff. Yeah. And then at one stage after she fires Marianne, um, Sean is like, oh, I'll work in the bookstore. And I'm like, Sean, what hours do you have available to work? Exactly. He's got a full-time job. You have a full-time job and you're at school. So you're going to be, so thanks for four hours on Saturday. Truly, you're not helping. Yeah. And then you just have Keith who's looking around at feet. Yeah. He's not paying attention to anything that, else. That's the thing. Everybody in this book has their thing. Mm-hmm. It's not, there's no one person who is, in a stable relationship or, you know, isn't that kinky? It's like, no, he loves feet. Yeah. Which is fine. Everybody, you can love feet. Love feet if you want to love feet. But it just was like, oh, here's, as soon as I found that out, I was like, so every character is going to have their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so yeah, staffing for bars and restaurants and retail locations in media, is that's my pet peeve and that's my thing that I watch and it's never correct. Yeah. Two broke girls, how was, who... No, that was awful. <laughs> yeah. um, what's Empire Records? You don't need that much staff. No, there's even for so Rex Manning many. Day, there's too many people working. So many people just not doing anything. Yeah, there's no. We got to work on some things. Okay. Anyway, so uh, and then finally, hottest dirty talk. No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. My favorite though was when. I can't see. I, I I can't remember if it was Sean or Joe. It seems like Sean said this. I w- oh, I wish we would have played a game. I wish I would have pulled things and been like, did Sean say it or did Joe say it? That would have been a fun game. I do feel like Sean and Joe felt like very separate characters. They did towards the by by the they did become distinct at a point. Yeah, because I do feel like with some menages, you're just like, and then there's two guys. And yeah, it's like very hard to be like, well, who's this guy? Who's Joe's there's always a, a reluctant sensitive. guy, and there's a really like guy who's really into it anyway so please beg kate is what he said he says please beg which is kind of like jeb bush saying please clap (laughs) the please beg is not a dumb move you can't say please please beg tell someone to beg if you're gonna tell them to beg (laughs) anyway um all right clayton what are your tropes sword crossing menage MMF, BDSM, and I don't know what you would describe this as a trope, but, you know, several other characters get in on the action. There's never, like, full-on sex between Kate and anybody but them, but they got really close. They were, like, touching her and stuff. I, I guess it's, like, pawing by side characters might be a trope because I wasn't prepared for that either. Because that doesn't ever happen yeah. in, in any of the romances. Like, it's always kind of like, there's a chance that something will happen, but it never does. So, those are, oh, no, erotica. Those are my tropes. 
Aaron, what are your tropes? So bookseller, heroin, menage, sex games. They play a lot of sex games, like role playing or different things. Erotica, age gap, romance, role play, dominant submissive. Yep. Those are my tropes. Great. (laughs) This is also such a great one to do face to face. Yes. You see me struggling, right? <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, anyway, what is you swooning this week? I'm actually going to swoon about a food product. Wow. So there is a brand called Urban Remedy. Have you heard of Urban Remedy? They make this vegan mousse. Like chocolate mousse, but it's like cocoa mousse or whatever. And it's got no dairy in it, and it's got really low sugar. And I always look for stuff that doesn't have gums, like xanthium gum or tapioca, any of that stuff. It's very hard to find anything without gums in it. Guar gum. It's my enemies. Why? What does guar gum do to you? It breaks me out. Oh. Yeah, like xanthium. All those kind of like gums break me out. Everything breaks me out. So I'm always looking for something that's like sweet but doesn't have these kind of things, doesn't have like gluten, anything like that. It's like the smallest cup of mousse that you can make. I think it's so small because it can barely hold itself together because it does have – it has moss in it. Mm-hmm. But like a certain kind of moss, I'm sure it's edible. I'm trusting the edibility of this this moss. And it is like one of my favorite treats. I, I order it from Whole Foods because I get Whole Food deliveries, and it's always sold out. You can hardly ever get it. But once in a blue moon, if it's available, I order like three or four and hope that they come. And I just love it. And it's so good. And I normally don't like swoon about food because I have a whole food issue. Yes. But it's one of my favorite treats. And so that's what I'm swooning about is is Urban Remedies, Cocoa. Saying that right? Mm. Okay. Because you're laughing at me like I was saying it wrong. But you always just assume that I say things wrong. Because I do. What a what a whole what a whole story you just made up in your head <laughs> over what I was doing because you were because <laughs> you had just swooned about moss mousse and it couldn't possibly be that this product sounds absolutely fucking insane it had to be that i thought you were stupid jesus christ (laughs) no i don't think you're dumb i think this product sounds wacko okay it's so good though believe me you will never look at moss the same way again (laughs) so yeah so that's what i'm swimming about what is it called (laughs) come on come on urban remedy urban remedy Moss mousse. No, cacao, right? That's what you call it. Oh, cacao. I don't. Cacao is how cacao. I. Cacao. Would... See, that's what it is. It's cacao. Yeah. Cacao mousse. Oh, okay. I think that's what it's called. Now you got me questioning it. I would not know if what if you could say literally anything, and I would assume that's right. How would I know? Aaron, what has you swooning? So there's a few things that have me swooning. I think the first one is I was lucky enough to read. A book that doesn't come out until the end of August by one Miss Sarah McLean and is the start of her Hell's Bell series. And guys, you're not ready. You got to get ready. You got two and a half months to get yourself ready. Um, 
It's available for pre-order now. And so I would say just pre-order it because there's nothing better than when you pre-order something and then one day you open your Kindle and it's just there. Yes. And you don't want to miss it. And it is so good. It's Hell's Bells, number one. It's called Bombshell. It's really, really good. I don't like to overhype things, so I'll stop there. But if you're on the fence, don't be just pre-order it now. You're going to love it. We are going to be talking about it, obviously. We will 100% be doing it for the podcast. Uh, But my other swoon is weird because it's a place, but Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So I grew up in New Hampshire. If anyone didn't, how would you know that? That's an insane thing to say. Um, So I grew up in, in New Hampshire. I grew up about an hour away from Portsmouth. And I went up there this weekend with my mom as our first like fully vaxxed trip to visit a friend of mine who has had twins twins and she had baby girl twins they're seven months old they're perfect and then she has a three-year-old who also shockingly perfect okay um and it's just a really lovely town and i feel like it's not talked out about enough uh it's like right on the seacoast it's like the historical society has done a really amazing job and it's all these like sort of preserved like 1700s and 1800s buildings and it's beautiful to walk around and there's amazing food and uh like fun bars and nightlife and i think it's a place for like people in new hampshire maybe northern new england to go for like bachelors and stuff but i'm like i don't understand why it's not more anyway so if you're looking for a place and you're within driving distance of portsmouth new hampshire do it it's really a beautiful town and i love it um yeah nice an update on my moose you'll like this it's irish moss isn't it? Mm. So a little taste of the native country <laughs> uh, for, for you, not me. It's I know that's what keeps those bog people so well preserved. So that's probably what's happening. Yeah. Oh, well, good. So anyway, that's it. That's it. <laughs> what if that's just how we ended from now on? And uh, that's it. That's it. I do listen to one podcast and they just end and just cut the feed. With no preamble, you don't really know what's coming, and then all of a sudden they're just done. Is that part of their thing? No. As far as I know, I think they're just, like, inexperienced. It's not, like, a very well-produced podcast in general. I won't say what it is. But, but you it, listen to it. But I listen. Listen, they're both charming as hell, these two women. Actually, it's called um, Celebrity Memoir Book Club, and it's very funny. Um, well, if they need an editor, oh. I'm for hire. I'll tighten that right up. I know. All right. Well, so Claire and the other one, if you're listening... Well, you can't call them the other one and expect them to give me a job now. Um, but they there's two celebrity memoir book clubs. So there's one that is Chelsea Devantes, which is also really fantastic. Hers is like a little bit more polished because she's like, uh, you know, a producer for the John Stewart show and stuff. And she probably is, you know, she has access to things. Um, and then the other celebrity memoir book club, which its icon is white and then the lettering is blue. Um, it's just two comedians in New York who are really funny and really, uh, and I, and I like their take on things, but yeah, they just end their episodes by just stopping. Great. And there's something about it. I love if that's their thing, that's their thing. Yeah. I mean, you gotta have a thing. I don't want them to stop doing it actually, but if they do want an editor, Clayton is available. Yeah. Um, all right. Can we wrap this up? I gotta go make dinner. Of course, Aaron. All right. Where can they find us? Uh, so you could always email us or the tropes podcast at gmail.com. We love suggestions. We love just your thoughts. Sometimes people just email us what they thought about things. And we love that too. Twitter is at learning tropes. Instagram is at learning the tropes. Uh, we have our Facebook group, the learning the tropes troop. That's 
really fun. Um, and we have merch below if you want anything with our logo on it. One day we'll come up with more different logos and things and different merch, but not today. Um, and then also, um, if you have a chance to rate, review, and subscribe, rate, review, follow. follow. Yeah, there we go. Uh, we would really appreciate it. I, it takes just a little bit of time, and we really love it, and it is how people find us. So we appreciate everybody who has taken the time to do it, and like we said, we read them all. And I got to say, you're all doing such a great job. We just get more and more every week. You're really just – it's uh, like – for the amount of people listening to us, the amount of reviews that we have, because I'll see podcasts that are supposed to have listeners in the tens of thousands and they don't have a lot of reviews. It's like, you guys are engaged. We appreciate it. And just keep them coming. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. We got one, we'll probably read one on the next mini so that we were like, should we ask this woman to just write our website copy? Yes. Maybe. <laughs> she was very good. Um, all right, everybody. So we will see you next week. We'll be announcing our next book. I don't we don't know what it is gonna be yet. I imagine it's gonna be like very tame and probably a sweet romance. <laughs> and we're going to go back to the Amish romance well. Oh, I don't want to go back to Amish land. But we'll go back to something sweet and, and probably pretty easy if you something have a suggestion. Something between Amish and this. Yeah, something between <laughs> Amish and like pure erotica. It's giving you a wide range. Yeah. Um, all right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.